Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. Thank you for joining me today, tonight, this morning, whenever you're listening to this. I'm Clint Edwards, and I'd like to wrap up part, so I started part one of Sheel Alpen, and today we're going to wrap up, this is part two, and, and the wrap up of the discussion on Sheel Alpen. Please excuse my absence. I had a little military assignment, and I don't like to talk a lot about it before I go, but when I come back, it's it's kind of fun. I, we, we end up going out to, I say we, I, me and another guy from my unit, we went out to a place called Palau. I don't know if any of you have heard of that. I'm guessing some of you have. Before I was assigned to go there, I had not heard of it. So... All I got to say about that trip was it was a very, very cool experience. We got to go out there and and not only see Palau and experience the beautiful, beautiful tropical islands that make up the country of Palau, but we also got to interact with the wonderful people of Palau, and it was a really neat experience. Just a completely new culture, new Everything was new. I mean, I've been to tropical places before, but the uh, that was just a good experience. You know, we had we were assigned to do some stuff down there in connection with another operation that was going on, and it wasn't a combat deployment. Nobody was, at least we weren't carrying around rifles. There was no th- immediate threats, unless you consider a coconut falling on your head as a threat, which that could. That 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 ruin your day, especially if it fell from one of those high trees and it hit you square on the head. You probably have to go see a doctor about that one. Or if you count the sharks, yeah, we ended up snorkeling with sharks. I I just the whole rest of the day and the rest of the trip and maybe even since then I've just thinking I've just been thinking to myself, I swam with sharks. Holy cow. They were black-tip reef sharks, which are not a particularly aggressive species of shark, but it is still intimidating, especially if you're not used to doing that. Some of you may be world travelers. You've scuba-dived and snorkeled all over the world. We were snorkeling, and it was my first time, first of all, being in water that clear. It was amazing how far you could see with the, the mask on. And then you're in there, and you look over there, and about 10 yards away, there's a fish longer than you. And you know it's a shark, and it's a little intimidating at first. It's unsettling. And then you get used to them, and you see that they have no apparent interest in hurting you. So you relax a little. And then all of a sudden, there's 12 or 15 of them. I didn't really get a good count, but that then you're unsettled again. And then you get used to it again. And none of them ever tried to hurt us. Nobody ever received any harm out on these except for like little bumps and scrapes that were completely to be expected anytime you do anything active. Had nothing to do with the wildlife. Anyway, it was a really cool experience. Really neat experience. I mean, I just, I just can't say enough good about it. I will say this. When you look at pictures, if you're not a common visitor to tropical places... And those, those pictures just look so neat. They're the palm trees and the beach and the crystal clear water. But then you go there and it's 90 degrees and 90% humidity. There was snow on the ground when I left my place here in Idaho to, to leave for the airport. And so I was really looking forward to getting somewhere warm. But man, 
you we walked a mile from our hotel when we first got there down the road to get something to eat and just walking back to the hotel I felt like I'd done an hour-long workout I was sweaty I didn't want to do anything except for go sit in an air-conditioned room anyway it was a great experience so that's not why you tuned in today that was just a little update on where I've been and why it's been a little bit you know my my regular posting interval of seven to ten days has been interrupted but I'm back now and I'm excited to wrap up Sheil Alpin I think this is an interesting topic now before I dive into it like I usually do let's talk about sources a little bit so the probably the main source that I use which so you know at first when I'm studying on something I I visit a few different internet sites and I'll look at what their try to look what their sources all are not all internet sites cite sources some of them do in the text very few of them do have a reference section at the bottom you you know your standard wikipedia article does some wikipedia articles are cited better than others but in all whatever I was looking at I kept on seeing a specific source pop up over and over again and that is called a history of the Scottish Highlands Highland clans and Highland regiments I couldn't find who a specific author is so I wonder if a lot of the pieces of this it's a rather long written work and maybe the different parts of the different clans are written by different authors I don't know all I could find that it was edited by John S Kelty and the production date on it was or the publishing date on it was 1875 <clears throat> and this will but this this is the source that is mentioned in most of anything that actually cites its reference so I understand that this is not a contemporary uh, a, a prime what you would call a primary source but I'm I actually just through reading through it I actually like this source it's it remains skeptical skeptical about some of the claims that are made concerning origins where I think that we should be skeptical instead of just taking everything at face value you know some of these some of these Wikipedia articles you read on this and sometimes to be fair they do say yeah but this is probably not really what happened but some of them will cite stuff like yeah this Scottish clan came from this Gaulish Gallic tribe you know in Gaul I'm not speaking Gallic of, of that I'm speaking of Gaul like what's now now mostly France and there's yeah there's a Gaulish tribe named this which sounds a lot like this area where they came from so they probably came from okay probably not alright probably probably not I mean I I don't know I wasn't there I can't say for certain that not but probably not so it you know we should be skeptical in some of those cases that seem or, or like the origin of the McFarlands they said hey there's something about something 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 far land like a faraway land and so you have the name McFarland no no why would you ever believe that anyway and just for the record McFarland comes from the personal name Parlin and you can go into different thoughts of where the name Parlin comes from but Parlin in the genitive case Farlin like son of showing possession son of Farlin that's where the name comes from it's not from far away land far land don't be silly all right so anyway this back to this work that I, that I mentioned it, it remains skeptical of st stuff like that so that in, in my head 
up the credibility and then just the amount of information. So if you want to if you want to push it past, if you come from a Highland clan or have connections to one and that's where your interest comes from and you want to push past a standard quick search on Google and a little short blurb on a clan, this is a I, I would recommend looking this up. So once again, that's a history of the Scottish Highlands, Highland clans and Highland regiments edited by John S. Kelty published in 1875 it's on it's you can find it for free on the internet it's on the archive art is archive.com that's where i downloaded the pdf it's just a free pdf download it's awesome and that's where you can get a lot of these older sources and another thing and even this this history book that i just mentioned it's got a really long title so i'm not going to call it that every time so this this work here this book that I've mentioned it mentions a manuscript that is dated to 1450 so now we're pushing the date back a little ways and so we're doing well there and it doesn't mean it's com everything in it is completely flawless historically and as we discuss the Sheil Alpin and just to remind you all especially those of you who maybe not have if you haven't listened to episode 31 the first part of the Sheil Alpin episode then I recommend you go back and listen to that because it kind of establishes the premise and also I get into the grants and maybe a little bit on the McKinnons I didn't I haven't really got into the rest of the clans but anyway the the whole premise of this Sheil Alpen idea Sheil is the the Gallic for the seed or progeny or posterity of Alpen so you have this group of clans or seven of them I'll, I'll mention them in a second that cl all claim descent from Alpin, who would be the father of Kenneth McAlpin, who would have been what it, what has been throughout a long, long time in history recognized as the first king of a combined Scottish and Pictish realm. Now, I in that previous episode, I go in and mention some of Alex Wolfe's research and claims that Kenneth McAlpin, and by virtue of him as father, they were Picts. Now, they may have been strongly influenced by Gallic culture, and they may have even been Gallic speakers, but they are in the contemporary sources regarded and labeled as king of, Kenneth McAlpin specifically, labeled as king of Picts, and the subsequent four kings after him are called king, king of the Picts, not king of the Scots. Anyway, go back to the previous episode. I'm not going to recap that whole argument right here. What I would like to do right here is just talk a little bit more about that claim and mention the rest of the clans. Now, just to remind you, the clans that are, are claiming to all be descended from this Alpin, father of Kenneth McAlpin, are as follows. You have the Grants, who are set up mostly in Strathspey, but also over in Glen Morriston. And there's, they have several branches of the clan. They're actually territory-wise a pretty considerable clan, as were the McKinnons. Now, well, I'll, I'll, I'll save any comment there for later. So the rest of the clans are the McGregors, the McNabs, the McAllies, the McQuarries, and the McFees. So those are the clans, the seven clans that claim descent from Alpin. And I talk about what I think about that, the possibility that they are descended from Alpin. Now, whatever, whatever doubts that I might have that they're all descended from Alpin. All I'm saying is, well, I'll explain why, why I have doubts, but I will admit right up front 
that I don't know that they're not all descended from Alpin. And so in case some of you are kind of sentimentally attached to the idea that these clans are all descended from this Alpin of the mid to early 800s AD, then go ahead. I mean, I, I can't prove they're not. I can, I, I do remain suspicious of this, but there are, there are some interesting details about this group of clans that, like, why would they feel this way if they weren't related? And, and there's many possible explanations for that, but let me go into that a little bit. Maybe just, to, I'll touch, a, before I go into those, those things, I'll touch on just briefly, like a short note about these different clans. I, I, t I went into more detail last episode on the Grants, so I might leave that one alone. The McKinnons and the McQuarries and the McPhees are all Hebridean clans. And not only are they Hebridean clans, they, they, it's interesting their, how their history comes forward in, in light of their relationship to the Lords of the Isles, the McDonald's. Even for the McKinnons, there's really not a lot mentioned about them until the fall of the Lord of the Isles, till till the Scottish king removed that title from him, stripped him of that title after he uncovered a plot against him, a collusion with, I believe it was the, the Douglas chief and the king of England. So he had two of the most powerful chiefs, Scottish chiefs in Scotland, colluding with the English king. And so the, the Lords of the Isles, the Macdonalds lot were stripped of their title. All right, so... Up until that point where that title is stripped away from them, the McKinnon history is tied up really close in with the the um, the McDonalds. And now I'm not going to go in on on these different these different clans. I'm not going to go into a bunch on their history. You can do an internet search and kind of find out the basics without having to dig too deep. I just maybe may mention one or two interesting points about them. The like like where the McKinnons were set up. They were set up, they had a, a toehold. In fact, the original territory was probably in Mull, but they came to really establish their center of gravity in, up in the Isle of Skye. So they became known as the McKinnons of Strathardale, and that's kind of where they were. They still retained a toehold in, in Mull, the Isle of Mull, where the, the dominant clan in Mull was the McLeans of Duart. And, and then they're not quite as powerful, close kindred, the McLeans of Lochbuie. So that's what was going on there. So that's kind of where the McKinnons, if you get a map out and you're looking at Mole and you're looking at Sky and you can kind of get an idea of where the McKinnons were, especially if you can find a, a clan map where the different territories are labeled, which just a little note on that. <clears throat> and I think I've mentioned this in some other episode, but I can't remember which. That, the, when you look, <clears throat> excuse me, when you look up a clan map on the on the internet you do a, a, maybe a google image search and you see a map of scotland with all these clans mapped out on their territories are shown some some of them are actually outlined and sometimes you just see the name over the part of scotland where they where they had control that just keep in mind that that map's only good for a certain specific period in history this is not something that's static the clan territories were dynamic. They changed. Clans rose in power and increased in territory, and then they waned, and and they lost territory. And some of them are not even. They become what they call broken clans, and they don't even. In, after after a certain point, they really don't even have like like 
the McPhees that we're talking about here. The McPhees, after the early 1600s, they're, they're a, considered a broken clan. You have Cole Kittach McDonald, who, he I don't know what kind of vendetta, grudge, blood feud he had going on with the, the McPhee chief, but anyway, I think my understanding is Cole Kittach kills the last McPhee chief. The McPhees... Just a, little, a short note on them. They are set up on the Isles, the Isles of Colency and Orenzi. Their, their Gallic origin of their name is actually a lot longer than McPhee. McPhee is six letters long. The Gallic or, or, or original of the name is Mac and then D-H-U-B-H-S-H-I-T-H-E. There's a lot of H's in there and... If you are familiar with Gaelic, you know that the H is more of an accent mark that affects the letter that it's by rather than its own letter. So instead of McPhee, I'm, I'm just going to take a shot at this. It's something a lot more like McPhee, the BH in the middle of this making more of a V sound. And so that's and, and so this is from, from McPhee, but you also get... You may be familiar with the name McAfee, which you have the you know the security program a lot of people have on their computers as a McAfee. Anyway, and that that company and that that founder of that company is kind of an interesting story. But but McAfee actually would be a closer phonetic to clo- phonetically is closer to the original Gaelic. But McPhee is how we have the name handed down to us. So there we have the McQuarries. They have the same linguistic origin as the Maguires. They were set up in the Isle of Ulva. And so a lot of people, the Maguire name is more common in Ireland. And so they say, hey, there's this connection between the Macquarie's and Ireland. And, and maybe that's the case. Uh, you also have the Macaulay's. Now you have different, you can't, you have to make sure you keep the Macaulay's straight in Scotland. Because you have the Macaulay's of Arden Capel, which is southwest of Loch Lomond still on the north of the to the north of the Firth of Clyde. So we're talking about Southwest Highlands, just on the border of the Highlands there. And this is the these are the Macaulays that claim to be part of Shiel Alpin. Now you have other Macaulay groups that are as far as we know, they're not necessarily related to the Macaulays of Arden Capel. And they're Hebridean clans. They're out there in the in the Isles. I've talked at length about the McGregors, especially in the episode about the alliance between the McFarlands and the McGregors. So I'm not going to go into a ton of detail there. So these are all the clans that that make up Sheel Alpin. Did I go over? Oh, I I didn't touch on the McNabs very much, but I also did a whole episode on the feud between the McNabs and the McNeishes. So I'm going to refer you back to that to get. A to do them credit as far as their history goes because I'm not going to talk about them very much. Once again, you can a lot of the information on these guys you can do a quick internet search and you can get some information. I might I might say this, and I've mentioned this before, but in specifically in relation to the, this group of clans, that I I really tried hard to find some scholarly stuff on this, and I tried some of my. Sources that I've had luck with in the past, like academia.edu. Keep in mind, I live remotely, and so I can't just go anywhere and check out any book I want. I, I tr- I'm really trying to run off of what I can find off of the internet, and then I've got some other, some other backdoor kind of things that I, 
I try to get get a hold of some books. Not not anything illegal, but anyway, I I do my best for where I live. But I really had a hard time finding anything scholarly on the McPhees, the McQuarries, the McAuleys, the McNabs, the McGregors. I told you Dr. Martin McGregor has written about them, so there is some stuff on them. Uh, the McKinnons, I don't, I couldn't find much on them as far as scholarly stuff, and the Grants. They, they are. There's probably more out there than what I've seen. You have Dr. Allison Cathcart, and she has written extensively on the clans of the Eastern Highlands. And so, if you want to dig into that, there's there's a book, Kinship and Clientage, that she wrote. It's like a over a hundred dollars, and I, I know you guys are probably thinking, hey, look, are you gonna make this investment? Well, like I said, I'm not monetized yet, so this is not pulling me back any money. And so I do plan on doing that in the future, but right now I don't. It's it's you can't. It, it's not an investment if you're not. I mean, and I I guess you don't only measure a return on investment in dollar signs, but yeah, I just haven't found it in me to cough up over a hundred bucks for a book yet. So and and as, and as as it goes to this pertains to this podcast and and investments and putting money into it. My, my next big thing that I've got to get is one of those boxes that you can do different audio lines in so that I can start getting guests on this. Some of you have, in your comments, recommended specific people that I could have on the show, and I, and I just want to let you know I've seen those, and I would love to, but that little piece of technology costs, well, I mean, conservatively, over $200. And so I am on a limited budget, and so... I just have not acquired some of these things yet to include some of these books that I know that are out there, but they're just a little bit more expensive than I got the resources for at this time. So, and partly I'm trying to divide my attention and my dollar signs between stuff that I actually must, no kidding, must pay for and other stuff like bullets, cartridges for the rifles that I like to shoot and stuff for riding horses. So, this isn't the only hobby of mine that's soaking up resources. So I got to be kind of careful about where everything goes. So anyway, enough about my finances. So <clears throat> I do want to, so I've, I've kind of made a brief mention of the different clans that are a part of Shiel Alpen. The last thing I just want to touch on, and so I, I might actually hit my mark of half hour under this time, is th- there's an interesting, so within Scotland, Something, a phenomenon that happened there was something called a bond. It could be called a bond of man rent or a bond of friendship. A bond of man rent was often a, a, a formally acknowledging an alliance between clans. It was legally binding, although it wasn't always followed, just kind of like every other law. And it usually was not between equals. A bond of man rent usually meant that there was a superior and an, and an inferior going into this relationship. And then there's also, so the bonds of friendship, sometimes that was a little bit more equal, although not every time. So let me just mention some things that existed between these different clans. It's not just that each of these seven clans had an origin legend that went back to Alpen, and so they all figured, hey, I guess we're kin. No, this went, this went a little bit farther than that. So let me let me talk about this. And I think this is kind of the meat. I would call this the meat of this episode is the things that they actually that actually trans transpired between between these different clans that this wasn't just some 
myth that they took very lightly. So I'm going to start actually, I'm going to go in chronological order. So in on the 27th of May, 1591, that's the earliest bond that we see between these different clans. And, and it was never, let me just point out that these bonds were never all of the seven clans saying we're all descended from Alpin and therefore we should band together. Keep in mind geographically, these clans that I've mentioned, the Grants, the McKinnons, the McGregors, the McNabs, the McQuarries, the McAuleys, the McPhees, geographically in Scotland, they're very they're very scattered. Now, they are all in the Highlands and Isles, but you have the Grants in eastern in the eastern Highlands, at least the, the, the senior branch of them. You have the McNabs down in the, on the western end of Loch Tay, so, so kind of the south-central Highlands. You have the McAuleys on the southwest fringe of the Highlands. You have the McGregors, who are actually their their senior line, the one that they all look to as their, their chief, he was out of Glen Stray, which is close to, not on, but close to the west coast of Scotland. Um, it's, it's, well, it's, if, you, if you've seen the ruins of Kilkern Castle, which was a Campbell of Glen Orkey stronghold, they're right, like just next door neighbors to that, right in that area at the, at the northeast end of Loch Awe. You so they were they were a Western Highland clan in their origin. They spread out and established themselves in other places. But and then you have the McKinnons, like I said, in the Isle of Skye, mostly the McPhees and the McQuarries on these smaller McQuarries. Were I don't know if I mentioned this, the Isle of Ulva, right by the, it's just just to the west, of the Isle of Mull. It's really close to it. And then you have the Isles of Colency and Orency, where the McPhees were based. So geographically, these Shiel Alpin clans are are scattered, and they never do enter into a bond. All of them together, saying, "Hey, let's let's band together." But in 1591, McGregor of Glen Stray and Macaulay of Arden Capel, the chiefs of these, the, the men who would be styled that would be their titles. They acknowledged, the, the, the Macaulay acknowledged, it formally, in a written document, acknowledged McGregor of Glen Stray as his superior. That he was, that the Macaulays were a cadet branch of the McGregors of Glen Stray. And to the point where they were ready to pay what was called a calp, or a tribute of cattle that was given in acknowledgement of the superiority of another person or clan. And so the Macaulays of Arden Cable would pay cattle to the McGregors. Now, the McGregors, like the McFarlands, were known to be involved in the shadier side of the cattle trade. And I'm saying that with my 21st century lens looking back in time. I'm not really sure that they viewed it as shady, but so I don't know if this is like, hey, the McGregors are already taking our cattle anyway, so we're just going to acknowledge this. Or if they were really like, no kidding, we, we think that we are a branch. Our understanding is that if you trace our lineage back far enough, it goes to the McGregors. And so the McGregor chief is really our chief too, and so we're going to pay him. So that's kind of interesting. And I, don't, and I wasn't there, and so I don't know the, what was really the case. So there's two different options, but one way or the other, a formal bond was signed between these two chiefs of the Macaulay acknowledging the McGregor as his senior and paying cattle tribute to him. All right, that moves us to 
12 July 1606, where Lachlan McKinnon of Strathardle and Finley McNabb of Boeing, I think I'm pronouncing that right, but I really don't know, they enter into a bond of friendship. I don't have a lot of information on that. In 1671, Lachlan McKinnon, so probably not. I'd actually look this up. Is this the same Lachlan McKinnon as the one that signed the... Because 1671, that's at least a generation later. Maybe even a grandson of the, the Lachlan McKinnon that signed the bond of friendship with Finley McNabb in 1606. But anyway, in 16, 1671, Lachlan McKinnon of Strathardle signs a bond of friendship with McGreg James McGregor of McGregor. In this bond, the McGregors and the McKinnons are claimed to descend from two brothers. All right, so that's interesting. And so you have these three bonds here. And then another one, and the most, the, the latest one in history, the Grants acknowledge that they sprang from the McGregors. They met in the early 1700s to discuss combining the clans under the surname McGregor. Because they couldn't decide who the chief would be, they disbanded. They also considered using the name McAlpin if... They couldn't get the McGregor name legalized. Now, keep in mind, the early 1700s, it's still illegal to be a McGregor. All right, but they meet together. And it's interesting. Uh, something I found that was interesting as I read the McGregor part of this history of the Scottish Highlands, Highland clans, and Highland regiments. It's interesting that even though the McGregors kind of, at least for their surname's sake, go underground, they adopt several different other surnames like Campbell and Drummond and Murray and... Graham and there's a few others and there's and I think there's actually some interesting cultural things going on there too of what we can pull from that but and then that may be a maybe a conversation for another time but it's interesting how they didn't lose like they kept they kept mindful of the fact that we're really McGregor's and so you see that a uh, hundred years later surface and so, anyway, I find, I find that really, really interesting that they were able to maintain that identity as McGregor's despite using other surnames for at least 100 years. All right, so, and then there was one thing that I didn't catch in here. There was, was I think it was the McKinnons that lost their land due to their involvement in Jacobite rebellions. Grant, the, the grant of Fruchy, I think is how you say the name, he buys back the land and then gives it to the McKinnons because they're both Sheel Alpin clans. So, kind of wrapping the, the conversation on the Sheel Alpin up, because i got other things i got to do. But the it's, it's just interesting that... It, so, it would be really, really hard documentary-wise, documentation-wise, to prove that all these clans come from Alpin. Now, I don't want to discount the possible veracity of oral tradition. Sometimes they are surprisingly truthful and accurate. And then sometimes they're not. And that's the problem. So I'm, I'm, I guess to wrap up this conversation, I'm not saying that they're not all descended from Alpin. Now, you do have this dark period as far as not only the, the, the documents and the evidence, but also any evidence that they, you only see, so Alpin lives in the first half of the 800s, not 1800s, 800s. And the first time you see these formal bonds between these clans surface is in the late 1500s. That's a long time later. And so I don't know what that says about 
how accurate the claim of their descent is. But I do think it's interesting that between the late 1500s and the early 1700s, you see a lot of interaction. Be, well, I mean, a lot by several. This this seems to be a conversation between these clans that yes, we are all descended from the same stock, and and as such, they enter into formal relationships, like legally binding relationships with each other, on account of their perceived kinship. So whether or not they actually all descend from Alpen, I really think that they all believed that like this is something they see as accurate and that they they do are these different clans and their chiefs are looking at each other as distant kin. Anyway, so that wraps up my discussion on Shiel Alpen. So if you've got I mentioned a lack of scholarly sources for some of these clans. If you guys have sources and they're scholarly sources, please let me know where I need to be looking. I do not claim to know everything about the clans. I just want to have a discussion on this. I also do not claim to have read every authoritative work on the clans, but I'm interested in it and I'm hungry for it. And so if you got something, especially something that I could access via the internet, I would love to know that. So thank you for joining me today. And how will you let me know what those sources could possibly be? Well, there's several different ways you could do this. You could do the Facebook route with facebook.com forward slash clans of Scotland. It will take you to the Scottish clans Facebook page where I will have this episode um, uploaded, shared. Anyway, in the comments for that, you could, you could tell me there. You can message me at the Scottish clans Facebook page. Also, you could go on the Podbean app or podbean.com and you could find the Scottish Clans podcast there and leave me comments there. Also, you could go on iTunes and give me a rating and in the review comments, you can leave me some stuff there. So there's a lot of different ways we can carry on this conversation. Maybe you don't have a source I need to check out, but maybe you got another question to ask or another or another maybe uh, here, here's something you didn't mention and you can f- complete the discussion or fill it out a little bit. And while you're doing that, will you share it? Will you share this podcast with people you think would be interested? I know you have people you have you're, you're, that you think would be interested. Or unless you're like me and one of the reasons I started the whole podcast is you just kind of ran out of people to talk to about it because not everybody wants to hear about it. Anyway, thank you for nerding out with me today. I appreciate it. Join me next time. I actually, on the flight back from Palau, I watched Mary Queen of Scots. And I had some some interesting things that my mind was going down as I was watching that. It didn't talk about kinship or clans very much at all. There was one brief mention between Earl the, the James Stewart, Earl of Murray, and his half, half-sister, Mary, about them being kin. But there wasn't a lot in the movie on that. So looking back on the rest of the story that they didn't have time to stuff in the movie, I don't know, there's some thoughts for a future episode. Anyway, thanks again for joining me today. I sure appreciate it. And I hope whether it's a good morning, good night, or good day to you, I hope it goes well. Thanks. Bye.